even if you know that a no is leading you to the right yes, which I firmly believe, like anytime I get a no, uh, I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> you know, like clearly this wasn't the right opportunity and my, my better yes is coming. Too legitimate to quit. Instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the phenomenal Brie Seely. I will get to my interview with Brie in just one second, but first, I want to make sure that you know that my brand new sales strategy novella, The Coach Who Would Not Sell, is available right stinking now for you for free at sellcoachsell.com. I've been told it's part folktale, part nightmare, part stand-up comedy routine, and a whole lot of strategy. So yeah, if that intrigues you and entices you, head on over to sellcoachsell.com and enter the code BREE sent you. Now, let's talk about BREE. Bree Seely, a.k.a. The Entrepreneur Coach, believes that entrepreneurship is the way to create unlimited wealth and freedom. Bree works with both established and emerging female entrepreneurs to create highly profitable businesses through consistent revenue creation. Whether you're ready to make your first dollar or your first million, the entrepreneur coach Bree Seely will help you to create long-term sustainable success on your terms. You may have seen Bree winning awards such as the top entrepreneur coach on Google or any other number of press outlets such as Good Morning America, The Today Show, Forbes, Entrepreneur, Women's Health, and more. Bree Seely for... The first time ever, listeners, it's going to be a real treat because we just switched pop culture topics like two freckles ago because this brilliant goddess here showed up in an Elton John hoodie and we were like, okay, well, it's a sign, people. It's a sign. But before we get to the utter magnificence of branding talent and genius that is Sir Elton John, I want to hear from this genius first. Hey, Bray, what do small business owners need to focus on this week? So, and I say this because this is a trap I've, I have fallen into many times over 15 years of entrepreneurship as well, is getting into, like, we tend to go for the the bottom fruit, mm. right? We tend to go for like what's easiest to get done today rather than going after the big, bold, audacious, revenue-generating activities. And so I really, if there's one thing I can encourage small business owners into today, tomorrow, the day after, next week, the week after, the month after, the quarter <laughs> after, the year after, literally all the things forever. forever is to really, truly start prioritizing big, bold, revenue generating activities in their business. Gosh, and I love that. 
the way that I see this show up, and again, I say this because I did this as well, is the roller coaster of inconsistent income, right? Like you take Mm -hmm. a few actions, you start making money in your business and you think it's just going to coast. So you stop taking those big, bold revenue generating actions and then you stop coasting and the roller coaster goes down and then you panic and you got to pick it back up again, right? And then you have to take all that momentum to get back to the place where the revenue is coming in. Whereas if you just consistently did one to two big, bold revenue generating actions a day, you wouldn't have to have that dip and then the high and then the low. It's a terrible cycle. And again, like I said, I've done it. All my clients do it. (laughs) Like every entrepreneur that comes to me, I swear it does it. And there's a really easy fix for it. And it is being consistent with your big, bold revenue generating activities. Okay. First off, I would be remiss if I didn't say that big, bold revenue, get off the roller coaster of inconsistent income, wouldn't be a phenomenal book title for you. Okay. Just want to put that out there. Put that out there. Big, bold revenue. Get off the roller coaster of inconsistent income. Speaking of that roller coaster, though, I feel like I've had a lifetime fast pass. Like I have a wristband that connects to my phone that alerts me when there is a quick line onto the roller coaster of it, of inconsistent income. But you're totally a hundred percent dead accurate oh. for me in that it's a relaxation that we don't want right? It's me going, oh, things are good. I can relax a bit. Nope. And I'm not talking about relax from an adrenal fatigue standpoint. I'm not saying like, oh, you can never take self-care. You can never slow down. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I willfully shut my eyes to these big, bold revenue generating activities because I was like, oh, things are good. I can coast for a while. Ain't no coasting in entrepreneurship, baby. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. And this is also not to say that you need to hustle and overwork yourself. Like right. if if you notice, I didn't say, you know, work 15 hours a day. Ugh. I said, do one or two things mm-hmm. a day. That's it. Mm-hmm. If you did the right one to two things a day in your business, you wouldn't have to work 15 hours a day. No. Because you'd be showing up big and bold. You do one big and one bold and just be done. Exactly. So much of what we do is just busy work, Yeah. like in our businesses that just frankly, I mean, and again, guilty as charged, mm-hmm. right? Like we mm-hmm. do so much busy work in our businesses that just frankly is like unnecessary. So I am all about how do we focus in get more purposeful on our actions, do the right actions that produce the right results and stop just, you know, fucking around with the other ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that's the same thing too. Is like there is essential admin stuff that must occur. And whether you delegate it, whether you have the team in place or the funds in place to delegate it or not, there are some things that are just non-negotiable, cost of doing business, do the work, hush your butt and just do your job. But I know that when I'm on that roller coaster and I start to feel panicky, one of the things I'll do to soothe myself is admin that does not matter. Like it's it's kind of like I have OCD. Um, and so one of the things I'll do when I'm not feeling well is I'll reorganize my record collection. 
as like one of my grounding techniques. I'll do the same thing in my business, though. I'll like reorganize a spreadsheet I'm not even using and be like, oh, I did something. And I'm like, what did I do? Did I take a big, bold revenue generating action? No. I sorted a spreadsheet and color coded it, even though that affects no one, right? Like, come on. So I love your emphasis on, in addition to the bullshit admin that we all have to do, like, don't go for the mundane, boring, cookie cutter, boilerplate, marketing, like get after it. And I think it's so lovely that we're talking about this right now because you yourself just leveled up in a massive way by adding the title TED speaker to your incredibly impressive resume. So how, tell us a little bit, I mean, for a lot of us, that TED, that TED label is something that is like the sexiest thing we could imagine. But there's a phenomenal amount of work that goes into that and planning and prep and mindset and everything else. So so high on the uh, whirlwind tour of your own TED adventure, uh, what lessons have you recently learned about the big and the bold? Yeah, so it's interesting because, so first things first, I, I do want to preface this by saying my TEDx journey was a three-year process. So from the moment that I got the vision in meditation of me on that TEDx stage to the moment I took the stage was a three-year process. So yeah. I like to just break it down a little bit. I also like to let people oh, know- Oh, you mean I, I can't just walk into a TED next Tuesday for funsies? What? I, I thought I was going to. I had the vision <laughs> in January 2020 and was like, oh, this year, this year, like by the end of the year, this will be easy, right? Three years oh, later. Oh, boy. Um, and I also got multiple rejections on my path mm -hmm. as well. So I just like to put that out there to say, yep. like, if you want to be a TEDx speaker, if you've already been rejected, whatever that looks like, keep going. Um, so that was a huge lesson for me in and of itself. Um, the other one, actually, in relation to what we've been talking about, is that while TED was a big, bold action for me, as of right now, so as of right now, you know, it got seen by the people that were in the room. Mm -hmm. It will go on YouTube in January. Um, mm -hmm. It wasn't a direct revenue generating action. And so in my day to day as an entrepreneur, here I am since June. So between June and November, um, taking my bold revenue generating actions every day, serving my clients on the regular, uh, doing all of my bullshit admin stuff, right? And writing, practicing, delivering a TED Talk, right? So for me, the TED Talk, it should and it will generate revenue for me eventually, just like not now revenue, right? So I was still having to take all of the big now revenue action. Yeah concurrently with taking the big, bold, you know, elevating my stature, whatever, whatever stuff. So, um, I, you know, there's a lot when you decide to go big and bold in your business like this, there's a lot. And then, as you know, at the same time, I'm also starting a women's conference too, right? So I have so many things on my plate and that still doesn't mean that I get to coast and just assume 
that money's going to come in. I will tell you, I have, I tried coasting over the last five months. Didn't work. Not great results. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, for me, it's really about sitting down each week and I'm a master of like paper planner, digital calendar, all the things I schedule in my, it's got, it says in my calendar, money sign, money sign. And then it literally says money, money, money. And then it has money <laughs> sign, money sign. And it is in my calendar every day because if it's not, Good. I don't do it. And then, you know, that, that role, I get back on that roller coaster with you, like the fast pass. Right. So, yeah. you, and I was scheduling in too. I had to schedule in my TEDx practices because if I didn't schedule them in, I wasn't practicing. And then as you know, I told you, I got sick the two days before my talk and didn't get to practice it. I literally hadn't practiced my closing for my TED talk until the day of. Oh, like, God. The last like three paragraphs or four paragraphs. Three years of work. And then you can't, your body refuses. Like, oh, man. Oh, Down to God. the wire. So that Saturday morning, I was up at 6 a.m. starting to practice and practice and practice. I think that's so freaking important what you just said on on myriad fronts. Number one, the fact that it was a three-year dream. I think a lot of us get to, understandably, because we're trying to be realists and idealists at the same time. We're trying to like not get our hopes up, but still be hopeful. And it's a really weird line to cross, like, or to walk, right? Because we're like, yay, I want to be optimistic, but I also don't want to be a Pollyanna. Like, let's, you know, especially from a marketing strategist, like, okay, well, let's look at the ROI of this, but also not expect to be a millionaire tomorrow. (sighs) But, you know, no matter what, I think a lot of us, because of that roller coaster of inconsistent income or the roller coaster of just entrepreneurship in general, we get to like three months out of a dream or six months out of a dream or from the impetus of the dream. And we're like, okay, it's not happening. Guess I got to scrap that and like totally. But we don't just scrap that dream. We scrap everything. We're like, okay, well, if I haven't gotten a TED Talk with this brand, I need to completely rebrand. Or like, okay, well, if I haven't gotten a TED Talk within three months, I'm quitting and going back to corporate, right? Or something like that. I mean, that all seems really dramatic, but it happens. take time to grow. And so I love your point about like plant your long-term seeds, your long-term bags and molds, but make sure on a day-to-day basis that you're rocking bigs and bolds that can happen that day, that can bring in revenue that week because we can't just wait for these miracle bigs and bolds. We can't give up on them too early, but we also can't wait for them to come to fruition. Yeah, because the truth is, so for me, like the the big, 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 bold things, right, mm-hmm. happen uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's like one a year. But there have been a few years where there haven't been any either, right? So like my first year in business, my big bold was hitting six figures for the first time. My Mm -hmm. second year in business, my big bold was publishing a book. My like, you know, like all these things happen. And then honestly, some of my life stuff got in the way too. So my third year in business, I got a very clear message. It was time to leave LA. So I left LA and went back to Minnesota to do some like turning inward work, right? I, d- I can't think of like a big bold that happened that year. 
then my big bold the following year was moving to New York, which wasn't even business related, right? And then so now this year, obviously, my big bold was my TED Talk. Next year, one of my big bolds is going to be my conference. Um, But here's the other thing about that vision I had in January 2020. I knew when I was in that meditation, standing on that red dot, that I was having, I was at this TED Talk, and then I knew just somehow that that talk was leading to my book agent, which was leading to my book deal. And so for me, it was like, yes, the TED Talk's important, but it's also part of an even bigger thing. And I'm actually in the process right now of kind of rearranging my entire business and restructuring some things and putting myself forward more as like a thought leader and then taking some of my coaching in like a different, same programs, but like putting them underneath the umbrella of my conference rather, you know, so like this bigger vision, I like I got just such a small glimpse of it then. And then to your point earlier as well, every time I got rejected, I didn't throw it in the garbage and start from scratch, right? It was, oh, how can I refine this and make this a little bit better for the next application? And then I got rejected on that one. And again, didn't throw it in the garbage, was like, how can I refine this and make this better for the next application? And I was talking through it with people and trying this thing on and trying that thing on. And how do I want to communicate it? How do I want to say it? Do I want to, you know, include the glass ceiling stuff in the, you know, future of the female workforce talk or not? Like, what does that look like? And so, you know, it is such a process. These like big, 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 big ones is such a process that it doesn't happen from your first go round. It doesn't happen from your first sit down with your pen and your paper. You have to like massage it and work it through and just change it and evolve it and update it. I'm getting ready to update my programming as well right now. I'm adding hypnosis back into my my coaching practice, like all these other things. I don't know if they're, I keep hoping to reach this moment, but I don't know if this moment actually exists <laughs> where everything is just set mm-hmm. and I don't change anything. Anymore. Oh, that's the dream. Isn't it though? Does it does it exist? That's Valhalla <laughs> for an entrepreneur. Like, I don't have to tweak anything. It just works. All of my systems are in place. All of my copywriting is perfect. And, and there's no glitches. No glitches. No, no glitches. Zoom shows up beautifully that day. Everything works as if by magic. Mm. Mm. I mean, that's certainly what it looks like on Instagram, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, but I think that's also true because you said something so critically important, which is that you took the rejection and you would, you would learn from it. Right. And I, we had previously talked about uh, the fact that I went and saw the Lion King last night in our little green room chat. And um, there's this really great line that I think is also in the movie where Rafiki bops Simba on the head and he's like, ow, what what was that? And she's like, look, the past can hurt you. And so you can hide from it or you can learn from it. And then Rafiki goes to bop Simba on the head again and Simba ducks. And Rafiki's like, hey, you learned. Right. And so I think that's like, why did that get rejected? We don't know. They don't send you an email saying, Dear Ms. Seely, thank you for your application. We are rejecting you for the following 12 points. They don't tell you that. They're just like, no, 
we're going in a different direction. Thanks for applying. Better luck next time. Like, that's all you get. So to take it on yourself and go, what can be improved here? What can I glean from this? And not beat yourself up, even though the rejection hurts, even though it stings, to take that sting and improve because of it is so hard and so essential, but it also makes the act of getting rejected feel purposeful, right? If we're evolving with each rejection, we are more likely to not get rejected in the future, but also more likely to get rejected for bigger things because we're taking bigger leaps. What is your method or what has been your method for feeling your feels, but, but not dwelling in them? Yeah, I always give myself time to like be in the shit of it because it does suck. And it's still, even if you know that a no is leading you to the right yes, which I firmly believe, like anytime I get a no, uh, I'm like, oh, thank God. (laughs) You know, like clearly this wasn't the right opportunity and my my better yes is coming. But that doesn't mean- Okay. Okay. There's your second book title of the episode. <laughs> my better yes is coming. I just need Ooh. to hire you as my marketing manager, apparently. Ooh. I mean, hi, I'm here. Um, but my better yes is coming. I'm so sorry you were on this like beautiful thing, but I just had to derail us because that is deep as shit. Your better yes is coming. It's true. I remember there have been times in my life where someone has said no. And I fought against it or convinced them to change their no to a yes or, you know, and, and I re- you regret it. It ends up if something is not meant for you, it's not meant for you. And it doesn't matter what the opportunity is or what the, you know, shiny accoutrement that like go with it. Like none of that matters if it's the wrong opportunity for you. And I firmly believe that if something is meant for me, I will never get rejected from it. This was a huge, I learned this a lot through my dating life. I was single for 12 years and I learned this a lot through my dating life. (laughs) Like guys would be like, I don't want to go on a second date with you. And I'd be like, oh, thank God. Bye. (laughs) Bye. 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 Yes is coming. Um, but it, it is important to have that perspective. And at the same time, and I think this is where people struggle, you don't want to bypass those feelings of grief. You don't want to overlook the fact that you're feeling sad about getting a no. Even if the opportunity wasn't meant for you, it can still be sad to get that no. So it's really important to hold space. And you know, oftentimes I'll give myself like an episode of Netflix on the couch or you know, a afternoon nap or something to just like wallow like a little bit. And then I get my ass back up and start working towards that yes again. And so, you know, I don't, I don't think it's an either or conversation. I think both need to coexist. Um, But yeah, it's like holding space for that grief while also having that, like we were talking about earlier, that hope and that faith that what, we're going after is still possible for us. It just looks maybe a little different than we thought it was going to look. Yes. That grief hope dance. Oh, oh gosh. But that's what it is, right? It's that, it's that constant putting yourself out there, waiting to see what happens, rolling with the punches and picking yourself back up. Um, 
I love that you've got it down to a nap or a episode of something. Uh, <laughs> I know I normally need a little bit more time in my original work fam. The people that have been with me since like 2011, we uh, we use a motto or we use a system designed by our dear friend Desiree Wolf, uh, who is the host of the Slightly Unfiltered podcast, who is amazing. And we basically call it the 24 hour Desiree day. And that says we get 24 hours. We got 24 hours to bitch and moan and gnash our teeth and wail and cry and eat carbs and watch Maury Povich and feel bad for ourselves. We get 24 hours at most. But the second that new day, that new clock resets, you're back in the saddle. Yep. No matter what. You have honored your feels. You have felt your feels. You have delved into your feels. You have swam around in your feels. And now it's time to get back to work, right? And so we always say, even though Desiree herself is like a perfect thing, like, I'm taking my Desiree day. And then, you know, not to imply that Desiree is anything other than perfect. You're not. You're wonderful. And I love you. And everyone should listen to the Slightly Unfiltered podcast. But still, we're like, I need to take my Desiree day. I need to take yeah. my full 24 hours and and kind of deal with that. But, you know, sometimes you set out to have a Desiree day and then in about an hour, you're like, oh, I feel okay. Let's yeah. go chase some other dream. Yeah. And I think like, and again, this is something humans tend to be like very like focus, like limited to kind of one thing. Like mm-hmm. we we have a hard time holding space for more than one experience to happen at the same time. And so I think one of the things I do that's one of my strengths finders is being a visionary or futuristic. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. always been one of my strengths is like future pacing, um, which can also be a detriment. But uh, one of the All things strengths I- finders strengths can also be a detriment. OK, there's another book, The Dark Side <laughs> of Strength Finders. I'm going to be so busy writing, Annie. What are you, you doing? You got three books. You got three books. I can't help it. They're just falling out of your mouth. <laughs> um, I, I let myself be where I am in that moment. Mm. But I also still have to hold the space for that bigger vision, right? And it's not to say I know how the bigger vision is going to happen. I didn't know how. Uh, this TED Talk was going to come about. As it turns out, the woman that runs this TED Talk is a former client of mine. And so she was the one that like, she was like, get your application in. You know, like I had no idea. She, I didn't even know who she was two years prior. Like, you know, so I right now don't know how my book agent and my book deal are going to come through. I don't know how the sponsorships are coming in for my conference, but I know that the universe gifted me both of those visions. Like I didn't go seeking them out. They come to me. And if you, I don't know if you've read Big Magic, but she talks about- Oh, I love Big Magic! Yeah. She talks about how ideas come to you and they're like living entities, but they're not physical. They're energetic. And so they need a human to bring them into physicality, right? So- I'm sitting here being like, okay, you know, having you know a shit day or whatever, even today. So as everyone's listening, we're recording this the day before Thanksgiving and I have a ton of appointments on my calendar and all I want to do is bake a cake today. <laughs> That's all I want to do. Oh. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, how can I hold space for both today? How can I hold yeah. space for the me that, by the way, on the heels of a TED talk, going back to my childhood home 
and going to LA for a week. Like I'm tired and we have guests in town for the next 10 days. 10 days? Two sets of guests. And luckily they're not staying with us. We have a, we have a separate unit that we get to like kick people into, which is great. Um, But you know, holding space for that part of me that's like, mm-hmm. I am where I am today and I'm just like, my energy is low and I just kind of don't want it today while also holding space for that big vision of being like, all right, what if I can, circling back, what if I can just take one big, bold revenue generating action today and let that be enough? Because I know that taking that one big, bold revenue generating action is getting me closer to that bigger vision that I have, right? So maybe I'll reach out to five new sponsors today for the conference or like there's no template. So you you also have to figure out what your big, bold revenue generating actions are. But um, I think it's really important that we recognize that we are human on this journey as well. Mm-hmm. And we need a day to be on the couch or bake a cake or, you know, get our energy back or whatever. But we can still hold space for that big vision that we have at the same time. I freaking love that. Number one, I love cake. Um, you know, <laughs> there's there's the headline. Chubby girl admits on podcast she loves cake. Um, but, we'll have cake in May. When you come to Tulsa, I will, we'll have yes, cake. Yes, we'll have cake. But, you know, I love that idea of like if I do my due diligence, but my due diligence is a big, bold action. Right. If I can do that, then I can feel not only accomplished, but satisfied. Right. I can I can feel fulfilled by myself in that moment. And one of the other things I love about Big Magic and yeah, just to reiterate, y'all, um, I hated Eat, Pray, Love. Sorry, Liz Gilbert. Uh, I hated it. I know you loved it. I could tell I, there's a type. OK. Yep. But also, I will say, I read Eat, Pray, Love. I was mm-hmm. on my own kind of like, okay, so I studied in Italy for two years. I lived in Italy for <sighs> two years. 2009, I was in a relationship that was not great. Yeah. He was he was a good person. We just were not a match. Like, we just- There's a lot of great people in the world. Doesn't mean you should date all of them. Yeah. I, as you can tell, big, bold, visionary, lots of things, moving around, all this stuff, you know- Bless his heart. He is still living in the same house at the same job, driving the same, like, you know, just like. Not a great match. Right. Mm -hmm. So I decide to fly myself to Italy uh, in 2009 by myself and bring uh, Eat, Pray, Love with me. A friend of mine had given it to me. I didn't even really know what it was about. And so I like crack it open while sitting on the top of the Duomo in Milan on like the first day of my trip. What a And I'm reading reading this thing about her like being on the bathroom floor in the fetal position realizing she needs to get a divorce and i thank god had on huge sunglasses sitting on the rooftop of the duomo in milan just losing my shit mm-hmm. i had to put the book away and so like i haven't thank read god it since. you were in italy and not in france my people handle public crying a lot better than the french <laughs> um these are like oh poor emotional loving bird Crying on the Duomo. Oh, my God. Eat, Pray, Love, I think, was so important for, like, you have the capacity to change in big, huge ways. Right? And then I really loved Eat, 
and I really loved love, but I did not like pray. And I think that's because right when the book came out, I was this like really intense secular Buddhist. And I was like, she's doing India wrong. And I'm like, okay, white girl, why don't you bitch some more that another white girl's doing India wrong, right? But when Big Magic came out, it just proved that that big, bold action is not just about travel, although travel can be a big part of it. It's not just about getting a divorce, although, you know, getting out of a toxic situation may be right for you. But but action and magic and energy and activity and, and opportunity is freaking everywhere. And it is a living energetic thing that is looking for a host. And not only if you don't not only if you capture it, it will be yours. And if you breathe life into it, it will do wonderful things with and for you. But at the same point, we've all had the experience where we look at somebody else and we go, what? That was my idea. How come they got my idea? Why are they rocking my big thing? And it's like, well, according to big magic, you didn't show that spark the fire it needed. You know, you didn't breathe into that flame, so somebody else did. And I think, not that I want all the listeners to, like, walk around an idea and intellectual property paranoia all the time. That's not what it's about. But there is something about, if you're feeling called to something big and bold, do not wait. Do not, because somebody else will just rush on in, right? Just don't wait. Oh my gosh, no one can see me, but I'm literally freaking out right now because, so I've been sitting here stressing, you know, we switched the topic at the last minute, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've been sitting here stressing, being like, how the fuck are we going to tie this into Elton John? Like, oh my God, I it's just don't, I don't do it. Oh my God. This is exactly why I love Elton John. Why I love, love him so much. He is literally to me, I'm getting goosebumps as I'm saying this. He to me is the clearest channel of divine inspiration that I think I've ever encountered in my life, right? Like, and Mm -hmm. now we don't know fully his process and we don't know all these things, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I, I started listening to him when I was in the womb. My mom owns all of his vinyls. You know, it was very, it was my childhood. I've listened to Elton John since before I was born. And so I, I always loved him and I always have known all the music, all even the obscure ones, right? Um, oh, yeah. And I didn't have a full, total, complete appreciation for what a creative genius he is until mm-hmm. I saw Rocket Man in May of 2019. And the fact that this guy that he randomly met in a coffee shop can hand him a piece of paper filled with words and he can literally take that piece of paper filled with words and sit down at a musical instrument and just like start, you know, plunking away and like create a full finished song and not only a full finished song, right? The songs he's singing, he released his first album 50 years ago. So not only is he like, the open creative vessel, but he's being open to creating things that literally stand the test of time that mm-hmm. people in on every continent, all the countries, like it's just, he amazes me so much. And so over the last three or four years, I've had an even deeper appreciation for him and what he does. And I think what we can take from it is 
how often as creatives do we get in our own ways when that spark comes to us and we start saying like, well, what if I can't or what if this or what, like we start doubting or putting up these unnecessary blocks in the creative process. And it's like, what if you just flowed with it? What if you took that sheet of paper with words on it and just sat down and turned it into a masterpiece without expectation, without pressure, like just the way that he creates and works and continues to, right? He just started this whole new, he did a thing with Dua Lipa and Britney Spears and Brandi Carlisle and like all these, I mean, he's the epitome of a genius. So I was at his show and his, not his final show, but second to final show in LA. And someone came out and was like, you are one of the most talented individuals of all time. Period. Yeah, period. Full stop. Cannot be argued because 50 years. I mean, I always try to put these episodes into some kind of a playlist and like, I can't put him in legitimate 70s, 80s, 90s, thousands, nousands because he's been here the whole time. If I put him in one, I'd have to put him in all because how would I argue? I'd be like, oh, well, I guess in the 90s, excuse me, The Lion King came out in 1994. So like you can't discount any, you can't even discount a decade of Elton John. You can't discount a single year. He's always doing something momentous, even if it's mourning Princess Diana. I mean, even Candle in the Wind became a huge new resurgence when his friend died. He's so yeah. inspiring, he can't turn it off. He and he had a he had a brand new album. So the first concert I saw him in was in 1992, and he it was because it was on the heels of his new album. I don't remember what it was called. I think the the single that came out was the one it was a black album with like kind of a, a frame and him um, in the middle. So, anyways, yeah, he's never stopped, and he just he just fucking amazes me, and it's yes. just his creative ability. Cause then I, you know, I'm like, how can I do this in my life and business? How can I let myself even developing the Ted talk, starting to work on my book, all these things I get in my way. So goddamn much. How can I take more inspiration from Elton John and just be the channel for the spark that's coming to me? Ooh. Yes. Be the channel. There's my next book title, Be the Channel. Right. There's the fourth one. We're just falling out of you, right? And dedicated to Elton John. But, you know. Elton John and Annie. Oh, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I mean, what a combo, right? But I, you know, and, and when you are the channel, it's not like you lose yourself in that channeling. Like Elton becomes more Elton each and every time he allows himself to be. Right. And so it's not like, well, if I focus too much on my work, I'll lose myself in my work. No. If you are the channel and you're really showing up and allowing, you're taking your bigs and bulls and you're honoring yourself in the process, then it makes your brand stronger, not more diluted. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I love about him as well. And I actually am I'm getting ready to post a um a reel about this is he played on Saturday night and Sunday night. If you guys haven't seen it, go on Disney Plus. You can go watch the entire concert. It's fucking incredible. Incredible. Um, so good. Uh he played those songs like he hadn't already played them a million times before. You know? Yes. Oh, 
That is such a big point. So, for example, not I'm not comparing the two. I'm not putting them in the same buckets. But uh, I saw Hanson perform. <laughs> was a total, I was a total Hanson fan in the the '90s. Um, I'm the only person I know that knows the second verse to Umbop. So I'm right here <laughs> with you, darling. I know the entire album, let's be honest. There you go. There you go. And in the spirit of Christmas, if anyone's looking, I swear to God, Hanson's first Christmas album is the best Christmas album of all time. It came on last night as we were driving and I was like, best album of all time. So good. So good. (laughs) Learn something new every day. I know. I saw them perform in, they did a, it was called String Theory. I think they toured around the country and they partnered up with, symphonies and orchestras in every single city they went to. So I saw them in Minneapolis, I saw him in them in Minneapolis with the Minneapolis Symphony or Orchestra or whatever, right? And they didn't perform Mbop or they did it I feel like kind of begrudgingly. I feel like they've they put something out too that's like we're not performing this anymore. And I'm like, okay, I understand that you've grown musically, you've changed all of this stuff and it is a song that so many people latched on to. Like, that was your bread and butter. It'd be like if Elton John never performed your song again. Can you imagine? Right. And Elton plays them all. All of them with the same gusto that he played them 50 years ago. Exactly. He brings fresh energy to it every time. Now, you and I have been on hundreds of podcasts. Yep. We've sure. I mean, I don't think you normally get to talk about Elton John, but you've certainly talked about revenue before. Right. And it's like, but you got to bring that first time passion to it every time. Yep. And I say this to my entrepreneurs a lot, especially. So I work with new entrepreneurs and established. Mm -hmm. And so with my new entrepreneurs that are like, oh, I don't know what idea to pursue. I don't, I don't know if I should do this or if I should do that. Like, should I do this one? Because people say you can make a lot of money with it. And I always ask them, if you were doing that exact same thing 50 years from now, would you be able to get out of bed and have the same passion for it that you have right now? And if you, if the answer to that is no, like if I can't be talking about entrepreneurship in 50 years and now granted, this is my second business. I will caveat that. Um, And the first one is the one that I was like, I can't do this for another 50 years. And because I can't do this for another 50 years, I need to gift myself the out to find the thing that I can do for the next 50 years. And I truly believe that entrepreneurship is that thing for me, right? Like I can get up every day. I was so, before you and I got on this call, I was so energetically drained and getting on with you and starting to jam about entrepreneurship and revenue generation and all these things, I'm like... Fuck yeah, I can go all day. Like, let's yes. do it. Yes, I'm going to bake the best cake that has ever been baked. Yes, it's going to have so much love and energy in it. <laughs> but I think that's so key because it really is sometimes that granular. Do you want to sing Tiny Dancer for the next 50 years? Yeah. Because at some point, through diligent, consistent bravery and big, bold actions, your work will become bigger than you. You know, like, I mean, sitting there last night watching The Lion King, he's one of many collaborators. But in order for The Lion King, the musical to come out, he collaborated with Tim Rice, King of Disney, Hans Zimmer, King of Mood Music, and Julie Taymor, goddess visionary of puppetry, right? Like, 
he and now they created four icons at least came together and created something together that has outlasted them. I mean, for me, I'm like you. We're the same age. We've talked about this in our own chats like a bunch of times. But, you know, we're the same age. We both grew up listening to Elton in utero. And yet, you know, I've loved this music for forever. I have my own attachments to Tommy and stuff like that from stuff that happened in my life. But then you look at like Tiny Dancer specifically and for me, I will always remember the scene in the movie Almost Famous. Like, it is so perfectly captured in my mind that if Elton was like, I'm not doing, I'm not doing Tiny Dancer ever again, not only is he hurting the people that love that song, it's a low-level hurt, but it hurts, he's distancing himself from that magical moment when an entire generation fell back in love with that song, right? And yeah. people can discover and it all the more. Uh, the coolest thing, too, about being at those concerts, you know, I went with my mom. She's mm -hmm. not to tell on her. She's 65. Um, and, you know, it's been a bonding thing for us. Well, there was like another mother daughter behind us that was like the mom was younger than my mom and the, the, the girl was younger than me. But he has spanned also just like so many generations with so many different things. And even now, like coming out with the Britney Spears and Dua Lipa songs and like, cause I'm there, they, they did Dua Lipa um, as an encore and I was freaking out cause I fucking love that song so much. And all the old timers in the audience were just standing there being like, I could hear them in their heads being like, what is this nonsense? You know, like, and I was freaking out cause I'm like, this is so cool. Yet another reinvention of his greatness to, you know, like, Oh, just I I could sit here and talk about Elton with you all day. But look at that. He's deepening his greatness. He's not changing his lane. He's doubling down on his lane. Yeah. He's branching out by doing more of the same. It's a really amazing balance because he's not doing anything spray and pray, but he's willing to reinvent within his lane. And it's just incredible. Yep. I mean, even things incredible. too, you know, you might think that this is like a complete deviation, but he's come out with an entire eyeglass collection now, which is so cool because for me, I'm like, oh, that's told that was totally his thing in the set. Yes. Like that's his thing. And so he's also, you know, in terms of like revenue streams, very smart, branching out and not just relying on because obviously his ticket sales are going away. He's not touring anymore ever at all. He's done. No more ticket sales. So how smartly as a business person are you going to start supplementing more of that revenue, that income, right? So yeah, like I said, he has so many things about him, his creative genius, his business acumen, like his journey. Just if anyone has not seen it, please gift yourself the opportunity to watch Rocket Man. It is, I know some people are like, I don't like biopics. It's just trust me. It's and you Elton can John. How could it be bad? You can text me later and thank me. Like it is not a tradition. <laughs> I just met with a friend this weekend and he was like, I watched it finally because you recommended it. And he's like, I hate, I hate those kinds of movies. And this was the first time he's in film. He's like, this is the first time I watched one where I was like, that's how I would have done it. Well, because it's not just about the man. It's about the creative process. And it's really a movie about possibility. Yeah. So good. So <sighs> good. If you're as much of a fan of me, his book is also tremendous. Well, listen, you got a cake to bake. I do. So I got two more questions for you, and then I promise I'll release you back to your day. 
So this is going to be a toughie. Sometimes my little pop culture question is a little, you know, nice little puff piece question. This is not that. This is going to be a thinker. So get ready. Right. But you've dropped four book titles. So I think you're fired up and ready. So here we go. Your next big bold. Let's make this for your conference. For your conference in May, um, you decide that every time you come onto the stage, an Elton song is going to bring you up. What is your platform rally and cry Elton song? You get one song. What do you pick? Oh, it's so hard because my, oh, no, never mind. So some of my favorite Elton Johns are some of the slower ones, but the one that when we saw him in 2019, I'm going to start crying right now talking about it. I Cry, just, do it. I burst out in tears when I came on and when he started singing it and it's, I'm still standing. And, you know, not everyone knows all the ins and outs that go into being an entrepreneur and the things like even in my childhood that I've faced, like I had, I've had some deep fucking trauma. And when that song came on in 2019, I think I'd kind of overlooked it in the past, but when it came on in 2019, I was like, you know what? I am still fucking standing. Like, and I'm so proud of myself. I was not, Annie, I was not expecting to cry. (laughs) Hey, I make all kinds of people cry. So you're in great company. Don't worry about it. I mean, it is. And when I hear that song now, I'm like, every time I hear it now, I'm like, I'm so proud of myself because there were so many moments on my journey when I could have quit and thrown in the towel and just walked away and on various levels. And I'm not like, I still keep showing up even on the hard days. And I'm immensely proud of myself for that. And so that song to me is just like, I'm still fucking here because I've chosen to be here and because I've been tenacious and I'm, I'm just really proud of myself for that. So, well, and that's the thing is pride fuels tenacity. If we don't stop to celebrate ourselves, if we don't stop to honor ourselves, if we don't stop to say, Hey, I took a chance and it didn't work out, but I put myself in the game. Then tenacity is hard because it's, it's baseless. Right. We're not giving ourselves the fuel, but I love that. And I love that song. And I love that you cried. Thank you for sharing your beautiful vulnerability with us. So now that we're on that touchy feely note, uh, if our listeners out there are desperate to get in touch with you, which they should be, uh, and they're not going to wait for those four books that are forthcoming now, <laughs> what is the best way for our listeners to start a conversation and come into your world? My favorite place to hang out, honestly, is on Instagram. So you can find me at Bree Seeley. Uh, and I do check all of my other inboxes on Instagram. So I really encourage people, like, don't just follow me or connect, like, send me a DM. Tell me what resonated with you about this podcast and what you're taking away from it. Um, I like to have conversations with people. From Social media is not a one-way street for me. So come find me on mm. Instagram. And please send me a DM. Let me know that you saw me or heard me here. And uh, let's chat. I am so honored and delighted to have had this conversation with you today to talk about an artist I love, to pick your brain, which is a brain I love, and to just share this day before Thanksgiving with you. So Bree, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you so much for having me. Y'all, I will be back in just a second with my final thought and your homework for this week. Well, hey there. 
I really wanted to start this episode with an Elton John lyric really, really badly. But I did also just say that clear is better than clever. So let's just jump right into things, okay? This week, I am totally inspired by the fact that Bree's Road to Ted was a three-year journey. Now, I'm launching this episode in early December 2022, a.k.a. the era of painstakingly planning for 2023 and or actively ignoring things until my brain thaws out next year. But what about three years from now or even three years ago? Three years ago, I had just begun to teach sales. I had no idea if the non-sleazy sales academy would work. Spoiler, it does quite well. Thank God. This podcast, now 100 episodes old, wasn't even a twinkle in my eye. I didn't even know 90 at least of the people I wound up interviewing. It's not that I got here by accident, really, because I worked so hard every single day of those three years, but what I created wasn't actually all that intentional. What if I had had a beacon, like Bree did, to drive toward, or to focus on when shiz got rough, or, you know, to just cling to? What would have changed for me? I don't want to make that mistake again, or I shouldn't say mistake misstep. So let's fix it. Three years from now, we'll be ending 2025. I'll be 43. You'll be older too. Damn it. That's a Beatles lyric, not Elton. (laughs) Anyway, what's a goal worthy of three years of your life? It has to be three times bigger than your annual hope or wish or aim. We have three whole years to pull this off. Move a damn mountain if you must, but aim big and bold and for something that would make you so damn proud to walk around in your skin. Your homework this week is to brainstorm and not hold back, nor kick your own ass when you look at the last three years. You did whatever you did to get you here and you got as far as you got and that's exactly enough. So look on forward. The sky is the limit. Three years. Where will you be? By the time Sir Elton's first studio album turned three, he had released four more. What if you, too, are only just getting started? And each of those albums went platinum multi-times over. What glorious things lie ahead for you? Hey, thanks for listening. If this episode kept you laughing and learning, I have two requests for you. First, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button, depending on your platform, so you never miss an episode. And also, more importantly, if you are looking for support, inspiration, networking, collaborations, or just a chance to hang out with me, Annie P. Ruggles, and our fantastic guests, make sure that you are a member of our LinkedIn community, The Legitimati. It is a weird and wonderful place. I can't even believe it's on LinkedIn, and we want you there. You'll find the link in the show notes. Big shout out, as always, to the fabulous dudes who helped me make this show. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact. My theme composer, Riley Horbasio, And my show art creator, Francois Vigno. See you next time. <laughs>